It's the Percy and Face Podcast, take one. So it's Wednesday, we're at it again, and uh, last week our top five, which is the name of our show, Percy and Face Top Five, uh, we were Mike and Mike, but we had some complaints from another Mike and Mike, and they have more money than us, so we went with nicknames, and uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think there's another podcast using our nicknames, so we're safe and sound now, and uh that's a good thing. So this week we're talking about top five classic country albums. So we had top five classic rock albums. It just made sense to get into the classic country genre for this Wednesday. And uh, it was tough. I mean, I had a tough time with this. Michael knows a great deal more about classic country than I do, but I still consider myself a fair hand in that arena. But I had a tough time. I made... Uh, my wife Amanda listened to several, several uh, country albums the other night, and uh, I, I went back and forth. But uh, I've landed on, uh, I think, what's a solid top five, and it won't be any surprise to you what, uh, to some of you, what my picks are. Uh, Michael may run a little bit deeper. I don't know. But uh, so, anyway, let's get started. Um, again, this is being brought to you by Svedka Vodka and Sprite Zero. Cheers. We've got a new addition to the studio here at Gentry Consulting, uh, the suites of Gentry Consulting, and it's an ice bucket, so we don't have to drink warm vodka this week. That's Michael's contribution, and we appreciate it. So on with the show, let's start with uh, Michael's honorable mentions. Okay, I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. And I had to dig deep for this one, but it, I didn't see there was any way that you could leave the original outlaw of country music. The Hillbilly Shakespeare, Hank Williams out. He's got a Ramblin' Man album. Wow. And it has his most great songs on one album. Not his greatest songs, but still, it's, it's Hank. It's a complete album. And one of my favorite songs is Nobody's Lonesome for Me. The reason they call him the Hillbilly Shakespeare because he wrote most of this stuff. And nobody's lonesome for me. It's got a line where it says, when it comes to my time to lay down and die, I'll have to pay somebody to cry. <laughs> so how many songs did Hank Williams Sr. actually write? It's almost legend or myth. He wrote a bunch, but you would be surprised at the ones that he, that he didn't write. He didn't write all of his songs, but he wrote in the short amount of time that he was alive, I mean, they call him the Hillbilly Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and you look at, I call it, I call his uh, his writing simple yet sophisticated. Because it's simple because an idiot like me can understand it. Right. But when you listen to it, the words are pretty deep. Yeah, he was a poet, uh, for sure. Well, you know, he wrote poems under Luke the Drifter. Yeah. That was his alias. Yeah, Luke the Drifter. And was that also another album of Hank Sr.'s? He had an album called Luke the Drifter. Right. That's where he did some of his religious songs. And, and Hank Sr. lived to be the riping old age of what? 20 what? Uh, Adam will kill me if I get this wrong, but I believe he was 27. I believe that's right. And uh, he was plagued with uh, back pains. Back pains. Yeah. Addicted to morphine. Addicted to all sort of painkillers and opioids. And uh, he just died in the back of a car one night. But, and you so know, it's such uh, a tragedy. A guy that 
But God toted his guitar around for years. Caught him outside a hotel room one time. Toted his guitar around for years. Ended up being Hank Jr.'s manager, which was Merle Kilgore. Yeah, I know that story now, now that you mention it. So in a lot of Hank Sr.'s songs, obviously, I mean, he wrote the foundation for country music. He did, and a lot of his songs have been passed on and covered uh, over the years. Hank Williams Jr., of course, covering many of those, was forced to cover many of his songs at a young age, but then several of them uh, later in life made a lot of Hank Jr. albums. I think that he he laid the foundation for rockabilly. I mean, yeah. just, there's no more question around Great that. description for that. On to my next honorable mention, and this is hard for me because it's an album of solely covers, but it's Johnny Cash, American Recording 4, which is, to me has one of the greatest covers possibly of all time, Hurt. It's a great cover, Nine Inch Nails cover, Trent Reznor, and only Johnny Cash could take a song someone else's song and make it his own. I believe Trent Reznor said that Hurt is now Johnny Cash's song. He did. Yeah. And it also had, Johnny Cash covered one of his own songs called Give My Love to Rose. Yes. Which is a great song, but he actually recorded that in Sun in 1957, the mm. first time. Mm. I had forgotten that Johnny Cash recorded with Sam Phillips at Sun Records. With the Million Dollar Quartet. Yeah, Million Dollar Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, those are great uh, honorable mentions. Mine are a little off, uh, but they made it close to getting in the top five. So that's how I pick my honorable mentions, is the ones that I possibly had in the top five at one point, but after listening and reviewing other albums, they just, they slipped out a little bit. And I'll start with the first one, and that's Big City by Merle Haggard. It's a great album. Great album. I struggled with that. It's got a couple of my favorite Merle songs on it. Um, I, there's five Merle Hacker albums I could take and put in this list. Yeah. And I looked at all his albums. And so my favorite, which I thought was the most relevant, complete, um, more popular. I mean, he had a lot of songs on that album that hit the country charts really strong. Merle did... Merle did what I call, he evolved. He started out in the 60s with that strong Bakersfield beat, with that mm -hmm. twang. Mm -hmm. And then in the 80s, he kind of evolved into more, almost his country in the 80s was had more feeling to it. Mm -hmm. And the sound kind of evolved, but it was still country. Yeah, it was. He maintained, he always maintained that Merle Haggard, it was an original Merle Haggard sound. No one had a sound like Merle, especially his voice. And Willie Nelson claims that uh, Merle Haggard is the greatest country music writer. He wrote a ton of songs. Well, I have many playlists on my phone, and I have a Merle Haggard playlist. And it, out of any rock band, any country singer, it's got more songs and no duplicates. Yeah. I mean, there's over 100 songs. Now, he didn't, Merle didn't write all of his songs. No, but he wrote a lot of them. But I have come to terms with him being one of the greatest writers. Mm -hmm. That made me thirsty. And I as well. All right, so my second honorable mention. Sorry about this, Adam Nelson, out there in uh, audience land, but it is 
Abbott's Old and New, Hank Williams Jr. And a lot of people thought I'd have that right in my top five, if not close to number one, because I'm a fan. I think that's his best album. Every song on that album, it just, it goes. It's a great song, and every cut's great. But after listening and comparing, Old Junior came in in honorable mentions. So, there you have it. Uh, well, that, that surprised me with that one. I mean, I, I gotta tell you. Yep. You know, because that was the first really album where he started thinking, okay, I'm gonna record my daddy's songs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna be forced to do them like he was when he was a kid. And he was gonna do them his way. But I'm gonna do them my way. Yes, he did them his way. And he owes a lot of the ability being able to do that to one of the guys on my list. Okay. We'll get to that later. All right. All right, so we're ready for top five. The top five. Yeah, so who's who do you got at number five? And I hate to put this far back, but I did, but it's Wanted, The Outlaws. Oh, wow. Because that was the first album in country music to sell a so million, had million copies. Wayland, Willie, Jesse. And Tom Paul Glazer. I always forget that. And most people don't know is those songs were recorded, especially some of Wayland's stuff, two years earlier. They just, some record it said, got the idea when they started getting popular out in uh, Austin to throw that stuff on record. And some magazine writer in Nashville was the one that came up with the term Outlaws. Mm -hmm. And then they put the Wanted posters on there. Yeah, and then that old outlaw thing done got out of hand. Because Willie probably saved Waylon's career. Waylon was struggling, and Willie had already left go to Austin, he'd had enough of Nashville. Because they, all they would do was let him write songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called Waylon out there to come out there. This is a great story. And there's a story where Waylon's fixing to come out on stage, and he looks out there and sees all those hippies out there. And he looks at his drummer, Richie Albright, and he says, where's Willie at? He says, you go get that little redhead son of a bitch. What's he got me into? <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. And Austin City Limits was born out of their Austin movement, and uh, uh, it's just, it's still on the air on PBS. And, Great and show. And it was the first million selling album for country music, the first album to go platinum. So, I mean. Wow. Fantastic. Um, so, my number five, and I've struggled with this, um, but it is. Still struggling right now, folks. It's um, Johnny Cash, Live from San Quentin. It's a great album. It's complete. Um, and it's. I'm going to shock you a little bit later, too. Because see, to me, Johnny, Johnny is one of the kings. Now, Waylon is my favorite voice and my favorite country artist. It's, that, it's by far Waylon Jennings. But Johnny Cash, to me, is the king of country music. I teetered back and forth on that with the, either one. The one at San Quentin or the one at Folsom Prison. Yeah, we'll end up talking about that one, too. I mean, because those were just, Folsom was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then you down San Quentin. But, I mean, I've got no beef with anybody putting those in. Yeah, solid, solid stuff. Okay, so um, 
Now, we're brave enough. What's number four? We're getting we're getting into some nitty gritty now. My number four is Redheaded Stranger. Wow. Willie Nelson. Wow. It was his breakthrough album as a solo artist, and had most people don't know this had a truly great cover song on that album, which was Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. Yeah. That was not his song. Nope. Fred Rose wrote that. And I actually thought that was a Hank Williams Sr. written song. He, he recorded it, but Fred Rose wrote it for Roy Acuff Publishing. Because back in the day, they had the, the publishing company sign these writers, and all they did was write stuff. And that's the, most of the artists didn't write their own songs. And Hank Sr. recorded that in the 50s. It's a great listen. But it's just, most people were, assume that that's Willie's. And it's a great version of it. And it's truly, Redheaded Stranger is truly a concept album. It is. It's, it is like the first country concept album. And there's a, a gospel song on there that escapes me right now, but it's, it's Sister Bobby playing piano. That's all it is. Wow. Because he's had Sister Bobby playing piano with him forever. She passed away this past year. He don't have her anymore, but she played piano with him forever, his sister Bobby. Mm. So that's my number four. Which is a, a great album. Great album. Well, my number four, I'm going back to back with artists. And uh, there's no rules. It's just what I, my opinion. Remember, everyone has opinions, but they are debatable. Uh, and that's what this podcast is all about. But I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there. My number four is Johnny Cash again, the first American recordings. That album, Rick Rubin brought Johnny Cash back to life with that album. Yes, the first one. Yes. And when they recorded that, Rick Rubin wanted him to do shows with just him and his guitar. And it scared Johnny to death. Yeah, he wasn't used to not having a five-piece band behind Johnny him. had always had a backing band. Mm -hmm. And he said that that was one of the scariest things that he had ever done was going out on stage by himself. Amazing to think that Johnny Cash would ever be afraid on stage. And they probably thought he was crazy when he went with Rick Rubin. Well, Rick is out there. But, you know, there's a famous picture of Johnny Cash Columbia had cut him. Why would you cut Johnny Cash? It's, it's the wildest thing I've ever heard is and to cut Johnny Cash. Rick Rubin picked him up, and there's a famous picture. And this was an ad taken out in a national paper with Johnny shooting the camera a bird. <laughs> and that was his way of sticking it to Columbia. Now, is that the famous bird picture that you see on hats and t-shirts today? It is. Today? That, okay. That's the picture. For some reason, I always heard the story that he was flipping the warden off at Folsom well, with that picture. Th that was. But that was when he got that number one album with Rick Rubin, and they took out an ad in, in the Nashville paper and put that picture in there. Because you can tell it's the older picture. Yeah. Yeah. But then when American I guess there's kind of two stories to that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the picture is famous. Um, I used to have the T-shirt. I think I outgrew it, but I've actually that got happens a poster when you get old. Of that. It's fantastic. So that's my number four. Back to back, Johnny Cash, and I 
dare anybody to argue with back-to-back Johnny Cash. Nobody could have an order to argue with John Oliver. No, I mean, that's no. He's the best. And so on to my number three. And I, there's no way I could do a country countdown with not having Mighty Merle in there. Mm. I knew it was coming. And my favorite, I actually have this on vinyl, is Back to the Barrooms. The tracks that's on that, I'll just name a few, Misery and Gin, uh, I Can't Break the Habit. Uh, it's actually got a Hank Williams Jr. cover on that. I Don't Have Any More Love Song. And Hank Williams Jr. wrote that song. Wow. And it's got, uh, I think I'll just stay here and drink. A great song. And most people don't know this, there's a song on there called Leonard. Okay. I knew I did not know who in the hell Leonard was for the longest. But I listened to an interview with Dwight Yoakam on the Bakersfield beat on Sirius XM. And Leonard was Tommy Collins's real name. And Tommy Collins was a huge influence on the whole Bakersfield scene. Merle and everybody. I'm not really too keen on his sound, but he influenced them heavily. And if you're not familiar with the Bakersfield scene, um, that's pretty much Buck Owens kicked that off. Is that correct? Well, the timeline's kind of about the same, but if you look, go back and look to what I was talking about, like Tommy Collins, there's people before them that kind of started it. But Merle and Buck was the ones that just blew the lid off the Bakersfield right. scene. Right, yeah. Yeah, Buck Owens, people don't know this about him, too, but he's an extremely, extremely wealthy man. Well, I grew up as a child and thought Buck Owens was this hokey person. I thought he was just the guy on Hee Haw with the red, white, and blue guitar. And I challenge anybody listening to this to go check out Buck's guitar player, Don Rich. Yeah. He's one of the most underrated guitar players that ever lived. And sought after. And when he died... Was sought after. Buck did not want he had anything to do with music. It was until Dwight got him to record the streets of Bakersfield mm-hmm. again that he got back into music after Don Rich had passed away. Yeah, and then he did um, a couple cover albums. He even co- covered um, Buck Does the Eagles. Yeah, it was a little EP he did. Was yeah. four or five hey, songs. and I want to tell you, if you want to hear something good. Uh, I mean, we all love the Eagles, let's face it, but uh, it's different, but Buck does a great job with some Eagles covers. Well, Buck was, Buck was a talent. I mean, yeah, amazing. And, but most people always think he was just some hokey hick that was on... On Hee Haw with Roy Clark. Anyway, that's my... And I challenge anybody, if you love Merle Haggard or not, to listen to that Back to the Ballroom. Gotcha. All right. I'm going to listen to it tonight. So my number three, and this will be a shocker for you, uh, Michael, um, is Honky Tonk Heroes by Waylon Jennings. And I love this album so much. I struggled with this the other night. I bet I, I played it a couple times. Of course, I know the album by heart. It's got you know some of my favorite Waylon songs on it. Um, Waylon didn't write any of them. Billy Joe, Billy, Shaver. Joe Shep, yeah. Billy Joe Shaver wrote every song, every song on this. or co-wrote every song but one. Okay. 
and that was we had it all the last track which wasn't a so great with funky donnie fritz who actually did some work in muscle shows writing mm-hmm. and was in chris christopherson's band for 30 or 40 years funky donnie fritz wrote that song we had it all i didn't know that i thought billy joe wrote the whole album he wrote Maybe I should that. look at the notes. And, uh, you know, the Billy Joe story is he followed Waylon around forever trying to get him to record an album. And he got close to Waylon's handlers. You know, Waylon got so popular he had people around him. And he's like, I want him to record my song. And Waylon said, give this guy a $100 bill and tell him to hit the road. Sounds and, like something and Billy Joe Shaver said, you tell Waylon to take this $100 bill and shove it up his ass and twist it sideways. <laughs> so he ended Waylon up didn't put up with a bunch of shit. And the title track on that song, Hokey Talk Hero. It's great. It's the best song on the album. The slow part at the first, mm-hmm. Billy Joe came into the studio when they were recording it and he got pissed off when they sped it up. Because he wanted it, his version, if you've ever listened to it, it's all slow. It's all slow. Well, Waylon, it kicks in about midway through the song. Waylon told him, just calm down. I've got an idea for this. Right. And he calmed down and listened to it. But if you listen to Billy Joe's, it's all slow all the way through it. Interesting. Interesting. Mm, great stories. Okay, so we're winding down. We're at number two. What do you got for number two? Preston? Number two, mine is Habits Old and New. Hard, I mean, hard to argue. It's got... The first song that he really talked about was Fall mm-hmm. on All in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yep. When he talks about his fall off Ajax Mountain, he don't mention Ajax Mountain, but he does in other songs. And then he talks about, and midway through the song, he talks about not getting many calls when they're shot down and out. Yep. There was two people there when he woke up after he fell off that mountain. You know who two people are? Um, I want to say I've heard this before, but go ahead. There were Johnny and Jude. They they tended to show up for everyone. They were good people. June was actually his godmother. I didn't know that. Yes. So they were the only ones there when he woke up in that hospital. Johnny and June were amazing. They did uh, the USO tour. They were famous for... Uh, visiting the troops and going to hospitals and performing overseas for the troops and uh, it yeah it was pretty pretty amazing I know a guy that uh, was in the hospital in Okinawa and had stepped on a landmine in Vietnam and uh, he said uh, he was in there and uh, one day um, Johnny Cash and June came in and Johnny says anybody here from the south and he said I am I'm from Alabama and he came over and sat at the edge of his bed, and uh, him and June sang Jackson to him. Fluffed his pillow and sang Jackson to him. I mean, that story to me, that that says a lot about Johnny Cash. And this is also the same guy that snorted cocaine with Waylon Jennings. It is, yes. We're not going to mention his name, but he also snorted cocaine with Waylon Jennings. So I guess he was on some buzz, buzz tours or I mean, something I, with him. I would have me a shirt that said. I snorted <laughs> cocaine with Waylon I mean, Jennings. I may get one anyway. <laughs> So that's my okay number two. So my number two is, and I really struggled with this. Um, this whole thing was really hard. 
this was harder for me than doing the classic rock. Uh, I just knew what those were, and this I, I did some. I really had to listen, but I'm going with Redheaded Stranger. It's got some great songs on it. It is a concept album. It's unique Willie in some ways, and it's classic Willie in the others. But it screams Willie Nelson to me. Even over Stardust, Redheaded Stranger is Willie's best, and I think it's the number two classic. And, it, and I'm not going to argue with that. Anybody that takes Abbott's old and new, or Redheaded Stranger, yeah. and Merle, and you can't. Yeah, the list is this list is yeah. is interchangeable. It's interchangeable. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no facts to support this. It's just our opinions. Um, chime in, like us on Facebook, give us your feedback on these things. And eventually, we're going to be talking over each other on the albums, but if that was your number two, my number one is the album we're going to talk about, which anybody knows me knows that I love Waylon. Mm -hmm. Actually, today is Waylon Wednesday, and I celebrate that every Wednesday. You do. But my number one is Honky Tonk Heroes. Great album. I mean, most people don't know this, but the song he did, you asked me to, Elvis covered that song. Hmm. I wonder if that's going to be in the movie coming out this weekend. And if the King of Rock and Roll covers one of your songs, then... Well, and you know, in a lot of ways, uh, I say Johnny Cash is king of country music, but uh, Waylon Willie Prince... Well, Waylon was... He covered your stuff or sang your song, then you had a chance at a hit. Waylon was the one that tore Nashville up. Up and before Waylon, everybody had to... People had to write songs for them. They couldn't record them the way they wanted to. They had to be yep. session musicians. Yep. They couldn't use their own band. Mm -hmm. And Waylon came in and said, I'm yeah. not doing it that way. He said, to hell with this. These are my musicians, and we're going to use them. And if they got opinions, we're going to listen to them. And we're going to do the songs we want to do. Because if you listen to Waylon's early stuff. It was very, it was very. It was bland. It was. They made him do covers the songs. He didn't have really a choice of what he wanted to do. But I challenge you this, and it'll probably be in another topic. Waylon's got a double album called Waylon Live. And some of those bland songs that he did. He juiced them up to his, his current self. When you go back and listen to him doing them live. It's, he's not the old Waylon that Nashville had. Waylon always says, yeah. you do songs the same way every night. You get tired of doing them, and you decide you want to do them your way. Yeah. And that's, that's what he did. Again, outlaw country goes hand in hand with the whole outlaw term. I mean, they were against Nashville in a lot of ways. Wes, my favorite story from Waylon is when they were playing at Max's Kansas City, which, strangely enough, was in New York City. Yeah, they sent him to this hippie stronghold, and a guy stands up and says, who the hell are you? And he said, I'm Waylon goddamn Jennings. If you don't sit down and shut up, we will kick your ass. Yeah, I love that story. <laughs> and Waylon was a pretty big man, too. And he was he's a rough old country boy. I mean, Waylon would have done it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No Especially hopped up on $30,000 worth of cocaine. <laughs> Every man. week. Yeah. Okay, so. That's my number one. My number one, and I already made mention of it, or we did earlier, is Live at Folsom Prison, Johnny Cash. I listened to that over and over again, and I compared it to Red-Headed Stranger and Honky Tonk Heroes, 
and it just screams great, solid country music. Do you know who was singing backup at those prison concerts? It wasn't Gene Carter? They sang on some of like the gospel songs, but mm-hmm. there was another group that was singing backup. I have no idea. The Statner Brothers. Well, I'll be damned. We're singing back. And they were counting flowers on the wall. Well, thankfully they weren't. That's a great song, Mike. I don't know why you don't like that. <laughs> but they were they were singing back. Smoking up. cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. So you can. I can relate with that way back when. If you listen to them, especially like on uh, Daddy Sing Face, if you listen yeah. to that real close. You can. Oh, yeah, I can hear it now. You can hear them. Yeah, yeah, in my head. That, that's it. I that's, hear it. That's them. Yeah. And I have to agree with you, that, the, which is the first one, mm-hmm. is it's better, better than Quinn, San Quentin. Yes, it is. San Quentin's great, but Live at Folsom. And, and um, there's a song, I think it's, maybe when he does I'll Walk the Line. Okay. And he's doing all kinds of banner with the prisoners and stuff. They're going nuts. Talking about song. how the water's crappy he and al- stuff. He almost stirred up a riot. And I think after he does I'll Walk the Line, there's a uh, cameraman sitting down there, and Johnny says, he says, what are you doing down there? He says, don't you know you're in the wrong place to be bending over? <laughs> <laughs> Soap on a rope. <laughs> when you're in prison, just just saying, you get it. Well, I said, those are two good top five classic country lists. Um I almost really pissed you off today and threw Storms of Life by Randy Travis in there, but I thought you'd completely go apeshit. But it almost made honorable mention. It's a great album. And it came out when I was in college. I've come to terms with people that have different opinions. I'll accept it. Y'all write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Michael has learned to be accepting of other opinions. This is... And music. This is good for the human race, but I don't know how good that is for this podcast. Because <laughs> it used to make me mad. Cause I, just, but I was like, okay, if, you, if that's what you believe, fine. Just. <laughs> it used to be, no, <laughs> that is not correct. Well, we all evolve. We're never too young to grow. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. You want to talk about what we're going to do next Wednesday? Do you have any ideas? Well, we really haven't decided yet. I would like, if, if, if anybody has any suggestions... On our Facebook page to let us know. Yeah, let us know. Uh, like our Facebook page. Um, chat us up. Let you know. Let us know what you agree with, with what you disagree with, what kind of categories you'd like to hear. If you think we missed something, we can carry this debate on social media. Uh, keep it clean. Um, you know, and uh, we will figure out next week before next Wednesday. And we are, uh, our podcast is on Spotify. Podcast is on Spotify, so you don't have to listen to it on Facebook. Go to Spotify, search Percy and Face, and um, that's our top five podcast. And we appreciate you and uh, hope you're going to listen to it. And uh, we will see you or talk to you all next Wednesday.